Hi everyone, I'm Kyle Bechet, and this is the AAF Exchange, a podcast from the American Action Forum, where experts provide clear, data-driven insights into today's economic and domestic policy issues. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in. On today's episode of the AAF Exchange, Douglas Holtzegan will take out his crystal ball and tell us what he expects in 2021. Doug, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. How have you been the last couple of uh, days? Oh, not bad. You know, I got very excited about the big winter storm and it turned into rain and that was that. So, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, like I said to you earlier today, uh, we it's missing us up here for the most part. We're getting some of the remnants of it, but uh, nothing we Vermonters can't handle. So let's jump right into today's conversation. Um, sure. But before we talk about 2021, let's start with 2020. Uh, we're not out of the woods yet. There's still a few more days left before we all enjoy Christmas and the New Year's. Congress still has working on the COVID-19 relief bill, among a few other things. Uh, what will actually get passed this year in your mind? They'll ultimately converge on uh, some sort of collection of unemployment insurance extensions plus federal uh, bump, something like $300 a week. Uh, some uh, checks to individuals running six, $700 is the rumors at the moment. More money for the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, small business um, uh, financial support. Uh, they'll, they'll have money for uh, schools and, and, and health-related issues, vaccine distribution costs, things like that. Um, that'll be the core of it. The things that won't get in will be the business liability protection that Republicans have championed for so long and the state and local funding that Democrats have championed for so long. Those appear to have fallen by the wayside. And then the real question is how many other collections of things show up as well? There's um, a package of energy provisions that uh, – They've been working on for about two years. It'll be a fairly substantial energy bill that could slide in. There's surprise medical bills, uh, something, again, that has been a a real perennial source of uh, uh, conflict and difficulty for uh, patients. And now they seem to have gotten to the point where they could perhaps make an agreement on that. So, um, you know, because there are more than one issue and there's a lot of different moving pieces, it takes a while. So we're seeing the clock run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I want to talk about surprise medical billing in a second, but just sticking with COVID-19, it seems like the calculus in Congress right now is just getting to yes. They're pushing out all those controversial issues. Will those come back up in a new year, or or is it sort of a wait-and-see um, approach on, on those? Well, uh, you know, suppose the energy provisions uh, don't make it in. They've been working on them for two years. Yeah, they'll come right back. Uh, these are uh, long-standing issues in uh, support for innovation, how do you get a greater supply of, of clean energy, things like that. Uh, those are priorities for a Biden administration. These are pieces of an agenda that would do that. They'll be back. So I, I don't expect anything to disappear entirely. I think it all comes back. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot with this uh, package is changing by the hour. I mean, we're getting new reports as as Congress continues to negotiate this. We may or may not have a deal by the end of the day or the end of the week. Um, so far, from what you've seen in this agreement, what have they gotten right and what you know, what are some missed opportunities? I think in the main, they're going to get it right again, because we're back to a situation very similar to April and May and the CARES Act that they passed in March, trying to get us through April and, and into mid-May. The, the whole idea was we have a surge in, in viruses, a surge in cases, um, the inability to conduct commerce, sometimes because it's just not safe and people don't go out, sometimes because they've been told don't go out. And in those circumstances, you provide financial support to get people through. You provide the business support to make sure the employees stay attached to their employer. 
that worked really well for two and a half months in the spring. This looks a lot like that on a smaller scale. I expect it to work really well. Um, they, they still will not have dealt with some of the key issues in uh, making sure it can conduct uh, the economy in the face of the virus. I've talked about this a lot. The business liability is part of that. I think that that's not going to go away because there are still businesses, colleges, you know, not-for-profits who, who are concerned about their exposure to, to lawsuits because they're not sure exactly what to do. And uh, the fear of the lawsuit doesn't go away with the vaccine. So this is this is something that's different than just curing the threat. Yeah, that's something I've heard you talk about a lot is that with the CARES Act, you know, every time you're in front of Congress, you're, you're telling them, you know, on the whole, it was a good it was a good job, good thing done. So hopefully they can replicate those successes and continue to do a good job to get us through the remainder of this economic, you know, downturn through the pandemic. Yeah, I, I, I really am quite optimistic. Um, it's tough watching so closely the day to day negotiations. But if you step back in the big picture, they will have done an enormous amount twice in one year. And then that's really what you asked the, the federal government to do. Right. Um, OK, so one last thing I said, we're going to talk about surprise medical billing. So let's do that. There seems to be an agreement outlawing um, surprise medical billing. Um, I think you mentioned a couple of podcasts ago that this was uh, Senator Alexander's uh, goodbye signature piece of legislation that they were going to try and get done. What is the agreement? And is this a surprising development in your mind? So remember, you get a surprise medical bill when you um, end up with an out-of-network provider. Because in an, in an emergency, you go to an out-of-network facility and, and you, you're you uh, destined to that. Or because you unknowingly go to a, an in-network hospital, say, and get an out-of-network anesthesiologist. That's the poster child for this. And suddenly, you're getting the big bill from that provider. And the idea is to get rid of that. And, and the federal government has to act because states do not have authority to regulate the large interstate um, uh, uh, healthcare plans run by big businesses. And so if you're under ERISA, which should be self-insured plans by our large employers, the states can't, can't regulate you. So you need a federal law so that you can uniformly get rid of this um, problem of surprise medical bills. Now, uh, the easy part is no one wants the patient to get faced with such a bill. And so everybody takes that off the table, but if they're not gonna pay the big bill, who is? And, and the answer is either the insurance company is going to pay a lot more than they had uh, negotiated for the other providers, or the provider is going to take the hit in the form of a smaller payment than their original bill. And all of this is about sort of dividing between the insurers and the providers. And that's why it's been so hard, because every dollar you get, uh, you know, for the provider, you lose for the insurer and vice versa. And so it's just been a, a raw headbutt for, for a number of years now. So the, the, the arrangement then is um, in a circumstance where you get this out-of-network provider, um, you have to make an initial payment, right? And then if that's not satisfactory, you go to an, ar an independent arbitration procedure to, to settle this. Um, and the, the details that have taken so hard to, to work out are, you know, do you want to take off the table really tiny um, uh, providers can't afford to go to arbitration? Do you want to have a minimum amount that goes into arbitration, only settle big bills? Uh, and they just work through all those details. And, and, you know, they are still moving as you and I talk, but I expect that this will make it over the finish line. That's good news. So, okay, looking forward, but before we can look forward, we always have to look back. Uh, we all know how 2020 felt, but what are the actual economic and fiscal impacts of the pandemic and its fallout? What do we know and what are, what are the big outstanding questions from this year? 
I think there's some things we know, and and many of them are are very sad, right? Well, there was loss of life, which means uh, in raw economic terms, the loss of productive capacity in the economy. We have we have workers who are there at the beginning of 2020 who will not be there at the beginning of 2021, and that's that's just a loss for the economy. Uh, there are separations of workers from employers that are not going to be reunited, and we've found that. Those separations often come with some scarring. You're, you're sitting out of work for a long time. It gets harder to get back to work. And so we're going to carry the residual from that going uh, going into 2021. Uh, those, those are ongoing losses. Um, then there's the, the big question, which is, you know, how much of what we did in 2020 is temporary adjustments and how much of it is really reconfiguring the economy going forward? So. Will some people ever go back to the office? That's the, one of the, the popular questions um, right now. But, but more generally, is it true that people are no longer going to be demanding, uh, you know, ritzy apartments in, in dense center cities? Are, the, are those people not going to live in more spacious accommodations at more distant locations because they can? So the, the whole geography of real estate markets is up in the air right now. What happens to the commercial real estate market? If they're not living in that apartment in the downtown D.C. area, what happens to the street level retail and what happens to the commercial real estate market? There's a lot where we're guessing, but we don't really know how much people have really changed the way they're going to live. Right? If you, if you own a chain of movie theaters right now, you're thinking, OK, is this temporary? Are they coming back or, or is it over? Are they going to just stay home, sign up for HBO Max and watch movies? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You don't know. But, and, and we're going to see a lot of those things start to play out in 2021. Yeah. So first, I really hope that we come back in the office soon. I'm tired of working from home. I really do want to see you in person at some point in the near future. Um, and two, and um, I'm recording this because I have you on record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, and two, yeah. I mean, movie theaters. I I was gonna you 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 already said it, but I was gonna bring up HBO Max. Um, just announced that they're putting out a number of movies on. Uh, that will simultaneously go into the theaters and at home at the same time. I probably will just sit at home and eat cheaper popcorn and drink a beer and watch movies rather than go into the theaters. But every Warner brother release is going to be come out simultaneously on HBO max. And, you know, I've thought this was probably the future all along that happened quicker than I expected. So, we'll, yeah. we'll, you know, um, and, and the list could go on. You know, will people continue to get everything delivered to them? Or are they going to go back to the to, to the to the mall and buy stuff? Right. Uh, um. You know, I'm a big delivery guy. I may never go back to the mall. <laughs> we'll see. You know, I'm with you. I, I I think it'll be a mix for me. But for the majority of the time, I think I just like sitting at home and saying, oh, I need this on Amazon. Oh, I don't need to go get more toothpaste. I'm just going to have it delivered to me at home kind of thing. Or maybe even put it on a three month cycle so that every three months Amazon just sends it to me. So all things that I think will will be interesting to see play out in the new year. And and there are, you know, I think one of the, the big policy issues every year is, is health uh, policy. You know, we have lots and lots of issues that come up. This has been a dramatic year for the health sector. You know, never before has the health sector been involved in a business cycle. They, it was usually immune from cyclical ups and downs. People go to the doctor, they get the things done that they, they need done. Uh, this year, the health sector was the business cycle. It was literally people stopping going to the doctor, big part of the downturn, Millions of, of healthcare sector jobs uh, lost in, in April uh, and then recovered somewhat in, in the, the subsequent months and, 
and a resumption of the of normal care. And now again, we're seeing COVID uh, um, demands pushing out the other sorts of uh, services that physicians typically provide. No need for them. Financial stresses on the hospital. You know what happens to the healthcare sector going forward? It's always under the microscope, but it's had a really amazing year, and it's 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 just going to be interesting to see how it sorts out in the next one. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, all right, so let's look ahead to 2021. This is where you need to get your crystal ball out. I want to get your perspective on what could happen with the new Biden administration and the new Congress. Of course, we don't know the makeup of the Senate quite yet, but we have you know some idea what it looks like. I want to give you a couple of rapid fire policy questions. I have about nine topics I want to get through with this. So let's start with health care. Uh, do you think there will be any action on this issue in the new Congress and, within, and the new administration? Absolutely. There will be some things that are left over, like prescription drug pricing. And uh, will they do that legislatively or try to continue the Trump approach? Important question. There are new things generated by the by the pandemic. Telehealth is now a popular uh, option. They need legislation to make it uh, permanent in its current incarnation. All It's all being done under emergency uh, authorities. So there's some things that they will definitely be trying to address in, in the health policy area. Mm-hmm. What about the public option? Do you think that'll be something that we see? I think uh, I'm going to operate under the assumption that they, they really do have to negotiate with a Republican-controlled Senate. Um, and so the big ticket items, the things that you heard about public option, changing the Medicare eligibility age, really big uh, increases in subsidies in the ACA, those are not on the table. Mm-hmm. What about trade? We've seen a huge focus in the Trump administration on trade. What will that look like in the Biden administration to the new Congress? Uh, I expect um, that the Biden administration will uh, clearly change its strategy from bilateral, which was the, the, the Trump administration, us versus China, us versus um, Japan in negotiations, sort of bilaterals all around, back to a multilateral approach, more extensive use of the international institutions like the G20, the IMF, World Bank, things like that. So very different style. Um, in terms of the substance, I would expect some of the high-profile Trump tariff moves to go away, like steel and aluminum and, and others that were of questionable merit uh, to begin with. The ones that they have clearly said they haven't made up their mind on are China. Like they, there is an agreement that China is a problem. I don't think they want to signal to China that somehow they're easy on China by quickly removing those tariffs. So over time, that policy will evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, another issue that I expect at least to see some big changes in is immigration. Uh, your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, we're going to uh, take the uh, executive order that Trump signed to buy America and hire America, and that was the authority to do all sorts of uh, immigration rulemaking, and we're going to flip it 180 degrees and do a U-turn on all fronts, including uh, the deferred action for childhood arrivals, the so-called dreamers. All of that gets a U-turn. Um, None of this will be satisfactory. The ultimate solution to that issue is legislation and and whether immigration reform genuinely gets raised uh, in the context of an economy which has a lot of people unemployed. Um, tough, tough, tough call there, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then tech policy. We've seen a lot of talk in Congress about this already. You know, Google, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, have been before Congress. What, what do you expect to see here? Um, big tech is under fire around the globe. You know, Europe has taken dead aim at them. Uh, you know, they're unpopular on both sides of the aisle for different reasons in the U.S. And so I, I don't think they get off easy come 2021. Uh, but I especially think going into the midterm elections, they'll be a big target. So the question is, can they in, in, in some way repair their image in the course of the next year a little bit to, to take the pressure off? 
Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest shifts between the Obama and Trump administration was, re- of course, regulatory policy. Um, what do you expect as we shift from the Trump to uh, Biden administration in this area? I, I don't know what to expect. I know what I'm afraid of. And I'm afraid of um, the Obama era, which uh, featured over $100 billion a year in regulatory costs on average. Uh, I, I, I fear that coming back or, or greater. Um, you know, President-elect Biden has said, Climate change is the number one issue facing the globe. It's the number one policy priority. Um, I don't anticipate uh, them introducing a carbon tax or some other pricing mechanism that's an efficient way to deal with this. That means you have to deal with it through the regulatory state. And if you just turned everybody loose and said, go go after the greenhouse gases, you could have hundreds of billions of dollars in a heartbeat. And too much too quick is dangerous to the recovery. So I, I'm watching that carefully. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the federal budget? We know we're facing debts and deficits. Um, you obviously are very are concerned about that. Um, what are your thoughts about this in the, in the next administration? I, I think the uh, that I'm the person concerned about that. And uh, a year from now, if we have this conversation, things won't be very different. I don't think there's any urgency to deal with the unsustainable budget outlook. I don't think there's any real reason, in fact, to deal with the near-term deficits. And so that will go on the back burner uh, for at least a year, probably longer. Gotcha. Um, and monetary policy. I mean, the Fed has been involved in this uh, economic recovery. Um, what, what do you expect on monetary policy in the new year? Uh, more of the same. Uh, one of the lasting impacts of, of this year will be low interest rates as far as the eye can see. They're committed to that, as well as the purchase of um, uh, Treasury securities to sort of flood the markets with liquidity. They're going to stay on that page for a long time. Um, I, I think that's 2021 for sure. They still need help from Congress, and I think we're going to get it in the next in the next week or so. So that'll be a, a good thing. Uh, the one wild card for the Fed is again the degree to which the campaign rhetoric turns into real stuff for the Biden administration. They they claim that they wanted the Fed to evaluate everything from the point of view of equality of outcomes across communities of color and the income distribution, uh, the Fed really doesn't have the tools to do that. And to, to place that higher demand on, on the, their outcomes is, I think, not wise. Um, if other other levers to pull to, to deal with those issues, we'll see. Uh, that, w- that would be a hard thing for the Fed in the middle of all this to have to start guaranteeing that the interest rate cut hit affects um, you know income groups equally. It's going to be hard to do. Interesting. Um, okay, so last and certainly not least, um, we have labor policy. We've heard a lot about this, whether it be through the pandemic negotiations or the campaigns, you know, unemployment, collective bargaining, right to work. What are your thoughts here? Uh, I, I think we'll see, again, a little bit of uh, whiplash for employers as the Department of Labor undoes what the Trump administration did and sort of reinstates some Obama era regulations on who is an employee, what does overtime look like? Um, what, what can you pay in the way of minimum wages if you're a federal contractor? Places where they have authority, they're going to go and, and do those things. And again, I can, I'm concerned about too much because if you start raising the cost of labor in the middle of trying to, to get 11 million people back onto the job, you, you create a problem. And so I'm worried about the pace at which that happens. Phew. Well, we got through all the rapid fire questions I have. Um, so I have one final question for you, Doug. What are you most looking forward to in 2021? Oh, most looking forward to? Uh, I think, you know, going to see my granddaughter and um, her new baby sister who is due in, in January 
and not wearing a mask and, you know, walking around, walking around the neighborhood, just simple <laughs> things like that. That would be yeah, great. I, it's the small things. Um, I noticed you did leave out that all of your wonderful workers coming back into the office was left out of that, but we'll let that slide for now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's what editing's for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can find the words and just, you know, put it together so that at the end, it seems like you're, you can't wait for us to return. I genuinely can't wait for, for that part of life to go back to normal. Yeah. Um, the fifth floor of our building is really nice, but walking around it by myself is getting old. <laughs> I, I can only imagine. Well, Doug, thanks again for joining us today. Um, this was our final episode of the year. Next week is Christmas and the Christmas Eve and the next following day is, uh, Christmas, is New Year's Eve. So that we're done for 2020. Uh, I look forward to talking to you again in 2021. See you on the other side. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Tune back in for our next episode, where our experts will provide clear, data-driven insights into today's economic and domestic issues. I'd also encourage you to check out any of the links in our show notes, and also follow us on social media to learn more about AAF. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play.